0: So we're going to be in 1 John, once again, 1 John chapter 5. We're only going to cover five verses this evening, verses 1 through 5. But as we get into that, let me ask you this. What have you had to overcome? What is something that you have been forced to overcome in your life? In in the year 2000... On the Oprah show, there was a guest named Kelly who told viewers how she survived abandonment, a plane crash, and leukemia, all before she turned 12 years old. As a baby, Kelly was left on the side of the road in Vietnam by her parents. She had a short stay in a local orphanage, and then in 1975, she was part of Operation Baby Life, which was a program that evacuated thousands of babies from Vietnam. Kelly was then placed on a plane that was destined for the United States, and as she was heading this way, her journey did not really go smoothly. The plane crashed, and there were 150 passengers killed in that crash, but she survived. She said, I really don't know why I was chosen to be one of those survivors. I feel incredibly lucky, and I feel like I've gotten a lot of second chances. Kelly was eventually adopted by a couple in Seattle, But the obstacle didn't stop there. At age 11, she was diagnosed with leukemia. But with fight and determination, Kelly overcame her disease and went on to become a healthy and successful adult. She says, These obstacles that had happened in my life gave me strength and fueled my motivation to live and to succeed and to go on. Now, while the Bible uses many terms to describe Christians... John, in particular, likes the word overcomer. And that's one that he uses in this chapter, is the idea of one who overcomes to be a believer. John uses this term a total of 21 times in his writings. Uh, Several different forms of this term appear in these verses to emphasize the victorious nature of of the believer. So to overcome means to overpower or to triumph, to have, the the noun form overcomer comes from the verb that means to conquer, to have victory, to have superiority, to have a conquering power. John clearly identifies that those who are overcomers are all those who believe in Jesus as God's Son. We'll talk more about that here in just a moment. But the words convey a genuine superiority that leads to an overwhelming success. The victory is demonstrable. It involves overthrowing an enemy so that the victory is seen by all. Jesus used this word to describe himself in John 16, He says that he has conquered the world. Because the believer is unified with Christ, we also are partakers in the victory. The word overcome in the Greek communicates the truth that the believer has continual victory over the world. So tonight I want us to begin by looking at three characteristics of an overcomer. Three characteristics of an overcomer. The way John wrote was a reflection of John's personality. A uh, Truth was his passion, and he wanted to ensure that the truth was clear to all. And so John uses a, a form of spiral, spiral writing so that he returns continually to his main point. In this final spiral of the book of 1 John, John introduces the subject of the victorious life. This is one of the fundamental tests of genuine fellowship in the faith. This is one of the tests of authentic Christianity. And so in these five verses, John inextricably weaves faith, love, and obedience together. They exist mutually in a dynamic relationship. You can't separate them out, but they are all together. And the genuine proof of love is that of obedience, and the genuine proof of faith is is love. So let us jump in to verse number one. It says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of Him. So the first characteristic that we see is that of faith. In order to be a believer, you must first express faith. In order to, have an, to be an overcomer, you must have a saving faith. The Greek word here is pisteion, which is a present tense participle that conveys, conveys the idea that this faith is a continuing faith. It's not something that you just do once and you move on, but it's something that continues. And so the mark of a genuine believer is a continuation of faith throughout their lives. In other words, walking an aisle once and saying a prayer once does not make you a Christian. It does not make you an authentic Christian anyways. You may say, I'm a Christian, but unless you live a life of faith, then you cannot say that you are an authentic Christian. Rather, a true saving faith is one that is present throughout your life. It's not enough just to believe in something. Uh, That's what the world says to us. If you don't believe in anything, you're going to fall, but you must pick something and believe in something, and it doesn't matter what that something is. John makes it clear that the ones that overcome are the ones who have placed their faith in, in something specific, someone specific. John makes it clear that the ones who overcome are the ones who have placed their faith in Jesus, as the Christ as Jesus as the Christ notice John does not say Jesus as the teacher notice it does not say Jesus the good man it does not say Jesus the prophet he says Jesus the Christ Jesus the anointed one, Jesus, the promised Messiah. Notice how John even describes Jesus as the one who is born of the Father or begotten of the Father. He is the only begotten Son of God. Jesus Christ of Nazareth was the Son of God. The object of the faith of the overcomer is not just in any old thing, It is in Jesus, the only begotten Son of God. If you place your faith in anything or anyone else besides Jesus, the God-man, you cannot be an overcomer. So you must have a characteristic of faith, and not just any faith, but faith in Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ. Let's look back at verse 1 again. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of Him. And so we see the characteristic, second characteristic there I I emphasized, is love. The second characteristic is that of love. John says that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. This is a reference to what Jesus was talking about back in John chapter 3 when he was speaking to Nicodemus. This verb is also a present tense verb, which is indicating that it's connected with a belief earlier in the verse. It's connected with this idea of faith that continues. The faith that continues produces love that continues. Ongoing faith is the result of a new birth, and it's also the evidence of a new birth. Yet with a new birth comes the implication of a new family. Every child is born into some kind of family. Many times they are born into a family with siblings. Very few of us are privileged to be the firstborn. And we're able to be born without other siblings. When it comes to the Christian family, none of us can hold that distinction because Jesus Christ himself holds the distinction as the firstborn. Scripture calls him the firstfruits. He is the first child, the only begotten of the Father, the one and only, and yet through His sacrifice, we are able then to come as children of God, to become co-heirs with Christ in His kingdom. And so when you place your faith in Christ, you become His brother or His sister, and we join together with Him to become co-heirs of the inheritance of the Father. And you'll also find that when you become a Christian, you have many siblings. Uh, God has brought together many people of different nationalities and personalities, different cultures, different natures, different ages, different genders, to become brothers and sisters in Christ. The church is a family. And like any good parent, the Father wants us to love our siblings with an unselfish kind of love. You know, it's been pretty interesting to watch our older children uh, since we've had Maggie Mae. Uh, Joan and Chloe can fight like cats and dogs sometimes, but they're both really tender and sweet with Maggie. And, and it's really cute to see how Maggie responds to them because she'll just toddle up to them and, and want to give them big hugs and big kisses, and, and of course they respond back lovingly to that. And so we try to help the older ones understand that they can treat each other the same way that they treat Maggie. They should have that same attitude with one another that they have with her. So it's, it's natural for a child to love both their parents and their siblings. And so the overcomer not only believes in God, but loves God. And since the overcomer loves God, he or she should also love her brother or his brother and sisters in Christ, the children of God. So love for one another should naturally flow from the heart of one who has been born again. Love should be a, a natural characteristic of one who is an authentic believer. We talked about a lot about that last week, so I'm not going to continue to hash on love. If you would like to review that, you can watch the video from, from last week that was all about love. So let's continue on with our Next characteristic, let's look at verse 2 and 3. It says, This is how we know that we love God's children, when we love God and obey His commands. For this is what love for God is, to keep His commands, and His commands are not a burden. So the third characteristic of an authentic believer is obedience the third characteristic of an overcomer is obedience to the word to the will of god as children how do you best show your love for your parents through obedience you you do what they say you do what they ask and so what we've begun to do is uh, with joan to award points for completing tasks without us having to ask him to complete them if we have to ask him he doesn't get the points
1: these tasks
0: are ones that he knows that we would want him to do, such as folding laundry or, or taking care of the, the dishes in the dishwasher. So right now he, he earns money for it, but what we would ultimately like to see is that he does it without getting anything in return, just our, an expression of thanks from us. To do it without asking. Our hope is that he'll just do it because... He loves us, and He knows it will please us. So how do you show your love for God the Father? Do what He says. It's that simple. You do what God says. And In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, the prophet Samuel says, To obey is better than sacrifice, to pay attention better than the fat of rams. Once again, here John uses the present tense. Translated here is, to obey or to keep, the, the present tense verb is uh, is poyomen, which normally is translated as make or do. And, and so, in other words, the believer is defined not just by what we believe and not just by our love, but by what we do. Our actions must be in alignment with the commands of the Lord. What we do matters. We always talk about what we do. Believe matters, and that's certainly true, but that has to overflow into our lives, and that has to overflow into our actions, that we have to be people that do the will and the word of God. John says this is how we know that love... This is how we know that we love, by maintaining constant obedience to God's commands... And you know, that sounds difficult. In fact, it sounds downright impossible for us to, to maintain the standard that God has set. And, and in our own power, we cannot do it. And that's why we needed Jesus to come. That's why we needed a Savior to come and to live a holy and perfect life, to, to completely obey the will of God to the point of death so that we could be saved from our sin. And so we, we know that it's, it's, it is impossible. But notice what John also says, that his commands are not a burden. In contrast to man-made religious traditions that are burdensome, like that of the Jewish leaders, the yoke of Jesus, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And to make things even better, we don't have to rely on our own power for obedience. We don't have to work for our salvation because Jesus already took care of that. We just have to trust Him. And then He sends, when we, when we place our faith and trust in Him, He sends the Holy Spirit to, to dwell with us, to live within us, to grant us the power that we need to fulfill the commands of God. God will not give us a command without providing the strength that we need to fulfill it. And so He he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit within us so that we can live in obedience and live in the love of God. The life of God within us makes obedience to the commands possible and the love which the Christian has for God and for other Christians makes this obedience possible. So, we see these three characteristics of an overcomer. But let's continue reading in verse 4 and 5. Because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? We see the word conquers three times in these two verses. Our faith in Christ ensures our victory over the world. Our faith in Christ ensures our victory over the world. The evidence of authentic saving faith is one that produces love and obedience. Faith in Christ expressed initially at our conversion when we become A Christian, when we realize our need for a Savior and we call out to Jesus, we say, Lord, save me. I am a sinner. I need you. But then it has to continue thereafter. And it is that continuing, that that conquering power that overcomes the world. When we use the term the world there, we refer to Satan's system of deception and wickedness that we live in. The world is against the things of God. The world seeks to attack and to neutralize those things that have expressed faith in God, in Christ. And so through Jesus and His provision of salvation, the believer becomes a victor, an overcomer over this invisible system of demonic and human evil that Satan operates. John states here three times, the world is overcome. You see, conversion... Is like enlisting in the army. You become a soldier the moment you enlist, but yet you've never seen combat. Your enemy will waste no time in attacking you when you become a new believer and will continue to assault you throughout your life. But victory over the enemy comes only when you rely on the faith and the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the right person of Jesus Christ. So let's look at these real quickly together. The world is overcome by the power of God. The world can only be overcome by the power of God. We do not have the power to overcome the world. We don't have the power to take on the world on our own. It is only by the power of God, that we can experience victory. In Matthew chapter 17, Jesus' disciples, they went to try to, to cast out a demon, and they tried to do so in their own power, but they failed. But when Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, the, the, the boy's father, the boy that was possessed, his father come and said, I ask your disciples to help and to cast out this demon, and they were unable to do so. Lord, will you please cast out this demon? And Jesus immediately was able to cast it out. When we try to do the things of God in our own power, we will fail. When we try to take on the world by our own power, it will bring us down. But when we rely on the power of God, we will see success. We will see success us conquer. We will become overcomers. So the world is overcome only by the power of God, but the world is also overcome by the principle of faith. The world is overcome by the principle of faith. The disciples asked Jesus, why were we not able to drive out the demon? And listen to what Jesus responded. Because of your little faith, he told them, For truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. The world is overcome only by the power of God and through the principle of faith. It was because they lacked faith that they failed. Notice that it doesn't take much faith. Jesus says it takes the faith the size of a mustard seed. And elsewhere in the New Testament, he calls the the mustard seed the smallest of seeds. It's not the size of one's faith. It's not that you don't have enough faith. It's not that you don't have a big enough faith. If we have a small enough faith and a big enough God, it's more than sufficient. I'm pretty sure 10% of infinity is infinity. I don't know how that works out mathematically, but, the, but it does. It was not the size of their faith. But they did not have the presence of faith. John says that everyone who has been born of God has conquered the world. Has conquered the world. It's, it's in the past tense, that verb there has conquered. It's already taken place. The victory has already been secured for you if you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Once again, that faith has to be in Him. It can't be in just any old thing. It has to be in the person of Jesus. The world is overcome by the person of. Jesus. Faith in Jesus and and dedication of one's life to Him is what makes one an overcomer. It's not anything that we do. It's faith and faith alone in Christ Jesus alone that provides us the victory. John repeats this truth again for emphasis. It is only by faith in Jesus that you can become an overcomer. So let me challenge you. Live as an overcomer. Live as one who has overcome the world because Scripture clearly says he, we have overcome the world. You now, when I was a, a young boy, I played various different sports, and I wasn't really the most athletic or talented uh, when it came to, to sports. And, and so most of the time, I was the one who rode the bench. I had a uniform. The, the coach gave me a uniform. I was able to put it on. I was able to go out, run out with the team, you know, yelling and screaming, woohoo! Yeah. And go over to the sidelines and sit down. So I got to feel like I was a part of the team, but I rarely got to play in the game. For us as Christians, we're not part of a team. We're part of a family. And in a family, Everyone works together. Everyone is equal. The <laughs> Lord doesn't bring us in and, and tell us to go sit on the bench. He brings us in and says, hey, i got a mission for you. i got a job for you to do. He intends to use us. His grace calls us to salvation, and His will sends us into the world to be a witness for Him. And we... A lot of times we're afraid to go into the world because we're afraid of the world having power over us. But we shouldn't be because we have overcome the world. Christ has overcome the world on our behalf and, and granted that to us. And so we should go boldly, without fear, to go into the world to share the gospel, to share the good news of what Jesus has done for you and for me, that He has won the victory for us against Satan and the world. So we go forth proclaiming the truth of God's mercy and His grace towards sinners whose only hope is Jesus Christ, and that our hope would be that they would come to salvation in Him. So Christian, I challenge you, go forth into the world, and live like you've overcome it? Because you have. By the power of Christ, you have overcome the world. If you're watching this and you're not a Christian, you've never placed your faith in Him, and you would like to know more about how to do that and how to become an overcomer of the world, let me ask you, give me a call. My number is 626-671-5635. Send me a text message. Give me a call. I want to talk with you about how to become an overcomer by becoming a follower of Christ.